Okay, hello everybody. This is Here Comes the Spider Cast number 19. This is the show that reviews the entire decade of Spider Man comics from the 1980s. Right now, we're at December 1981. This is your co host. Michael, and as always, I'm joined by Joshua Mervell. And today we're going to start off by reading The Amazing Spider Man 223, then move on to Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider Man number 61. And oh, sorry, actually, we're going to uh, do Marvel Team Up first, uh, 112, and then move on yep. to uh, Peter Parker 61. Right. And once again, we are talking about something that is very close to my heart because. This issue of Amazing Spider-Man is the third Spider-Man comic I ever bought. I thought it was the second. Yeah, it was the second. But last week, we learned that I had uh, Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man, number 60 as a kid. It's just that I sold it, right? So this was actually the third issue I bought, but I kept it. And I still have my original issue, and it's completely beat up. (laughs) But, oh, man, I, I just love looking at it. Now, the one thing I want to point out, as opposed to number 58 of Spectacular... This one, I didn't reread as much. And so I always thought, I just knew in my head that it wasn't as good, but I could never figure out why. Rereading it last night, it was actually better than I expected it to be. Um, but I want to know your impression of it first. Yeah, it wasn't uh, It wasn't bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't, I don't know. For some reason, it didn't hook me in. Okay. Uh, I don't know if maybe I just wasn't paying attention enough, but like it didn't, sure. I didn't feel like it really grabbed me much. Uh, again, the the art, as usual, in Amazing is always really good. Uh, mm-hmm. John Romita Jr. is back doing pencilings. I think uh, the last couple issues, uh, it was was it Herb Trippy? No, uh, who was it? I think it was. That I was, think it was. A, it was. Uh, oh, jeez, I should know this. That was Marvel Team Up. Who uh, it, last week? Last uh, last episode, it was the Speed Demon, and it was, I believe, um, Ed Jim. Hannigan. Oh, okay. Right, but he he was a good artist. But yeah, yeah. it's nice to have John Romita uh, Jr. back here. Right. So here's the thing: is obviously when you, it's just like you know, I'm sure that I appreciate Star Wars more than someone who just goes and watches it for the first time because right. you can see all the nuances and all the little details, whatever. So going back to this, first I just want to talk about the cover here. So this is one of the things that hooked me is this is a freaking amazing cover. It's so good. I know. Like, first of all, we have these characters created by Jack Kirby and Stan Lee, the Red Ghost and his super apes. So we have this <laughs> uh, balding Russian guy with like long white hair I think he's balding, kind of. But yeah, anyway. kind of. And then he's got these three apes. Um, I'm not sure what type of apes they each are, but um, they're each three different types of apes. Right. It and, looks like a, like a baboon, a gorilla, and a chimp or something like that. Okay. Yeah, probably. And they're kind of like, you know, one is the baboon is kind of like, you know, screaming at the camera, at the viewer. And the other ones are kind of climbing, you know, the walls. And, mm-hmm. and, and, then, and then we've got the spider signal that's lighting them all up. And it's just so cool because the, 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 the spider, the eyes on the spider signal actually curve around their body and change color. Isn't that cool? Right. Yeah. I love the, the color in this one. I really yeah. love that. Um, it's like the bright red spider signal, but then it's kind mm-hmm. of like washed out and like faded when it's, uh, shining on them and it changes right. the you know their color it's it's really really good yep and then we've got like a nice yellow kind of um hair light around them right right so, 
it just adds just something about it. Yeah, it's magical. It's really yeah. great. And then I don't know if, uh, if this is on your issue as well, but at the top of mine, it says beginning September 12th on NBC, Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Yep. So, so I guess that's also proof that I had these comics before the cartoon came out. Right. Right. So I must have known Spider-Man from the live action TV show with Nicholas Hammond. Right. Which when I was a kid, I was convinced was a masterpiece. But anyway. <laughs> um, so yeah, so this issue, unfortunately, it's still plotted by Denny O'Neill. Mm-hmm. But the script is by J.M. DeMatteis. Um, like we said, the pencils are John Romita Jr. The inks are by Al Milgram, which I think kind of hurts the art a little bit. We'll, but we'll talk about that as we go. Right. But um, I, yeah, so I'll summarize the plot on this one just because I've read it, you know, 116 <laughs> right. times. But um, it's a pretty cool opening, in my opinion. Um, you know, we're introduced to Spider-Man swinging over the library at um, Empire State University. Right. And it's kind of cool because he makes a little comment about how, no, you know, no one's allowed to get into this um, library unless they have a key. Mm-hmm. But uh, he points out that Hoberg's such an Albert Einstein that he's got his own key. So so he's kind of like wondering what, what's going on with this guy. So this guy goes in and, um, you know, there's a lot of heavy narration, which there's so much narration in this comic that it actually reminded me how... At this point in history, comics were a, a, a little bit closer to prose. Wait a second. You know, like, that was that was uh, wasn't that Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man, where uh, he's talking about the person can't get in without a key, and then they go through the door. Uh, no, you know it's funny. No, that all he also yes, the same thing happens. Except the other guy walks through the, the oh, door. Oh, okay. Yeah, isn't that hilarious? Okay, yeah. I was just gonna say because that that was uh, sorry, yeah. Because I was just reading my notes and that was one of my notes for Peter Parker. So I thought, oh, maybe he mixed yeah. those up. No, he, yeah, because in the Peter Parker issue, it's a like a warehouse, and he says that door is always locked. Whoever he is will never get in that way. And the guy just walks through the door. Oh, it's a science right. building. Yeah, okay. Yes. So it's funny. So amazing. It's um, it's a library, and he points out that no one can get in, and but right. this guy has his own key. So yeah. So anyway, so yeah, he gets it. And again, I love. I was uh, I was mentioning the prose here. I don't know about you, but I love the prose in this comic. What about you? Sorry, the what? The prose, like you know, but all thoughts of Roger Hoberg oh, are pushed aside as the yeah, wall crawler there, swings off really towards the chemistry lab. I just uh, love that I stuff. I think you that. Know? Um, I think that they replace some of the bad dialogue that would explain, like have the characters explain yeah. what's happening. <laughs> yeah. So it, yes. I think I think it helps because it's a little bit more dramatic and it sets the mood and kind of... Right. Normally, I don't think it would work as well, but for some reason, I think that with this kind of almost like sci-fi story and characters, like right. it, it, this doesn't really seem like a your typical uh, Spider-Man villain. Right, right. Uh, well, yeah, he, technically he is a Jack Kirby, uh, Fantastic Four villain, so he's right. a little bit different, yeah. Yeah, so he kind of has that, like, sci-fi, like, uh, old, like, TV show kind of villain exactly. theme right, going on. Right, right, right. Uh, and I think that the narration kind of lends to that, too. Right. So I, right. I definitely enjoyed that, for sure. Yeah. And I mean, I just read Spectacular, and we can talk about that later, but the dialogue in that was pretty terrible, by comparison, but yeah. we'll get to that later. Yeah. But anyway, so basically, um, so Rich Hoberg comes in and what happens is he 
morphs and wait a minute here. Yeah, so he basically changes, right? So he is, oh no, 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 he's not. No, I, just a minute, right. I got confused there. Even though I've read it 116 times. <laughs> it's the, the red ghosts and the super apes seem to appear out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. And then of course the red ghost sends one of the apes after him to try and kill him. And then we get a, I, I just want to say like, you know, some people accuse John Romita Jr. in this time of sort of being sketchy and kind of rushed. But I want to point out the one shot on um, original page three when he's um, Rich Hoberg is kind of recoiling in fear and we're looking under like through the legs of the one ape. That's a really cool shot. eh? Do you see that? Oh, yeah. I don't know. That's just a really cool angle. Just really creative, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I thought that there were, there was some really good stuff. I I don't mind sketchy. Um, right. I think that if it tells the story and like the the characters express what they're supposed to be expressing, it, it works. Right. Um, I think that's always yeah more important. Yeah, for sure. And you still um, you still understand what they're doing, what they're saying, what they're feeling. I think it works, right. and you you definitely get uh, the character and who they are. So I mm -hmm. I actually really like a lot of the stuff in here. Yeah, me too. Um, and and there's also kind of a... Uh, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I think uh, it, it's a couple pages later, uh, original six, digital seven, mm -hmm. uh, when Peter Parker uh, is like... Uh, he's like in, in all those books. As he's like lifting up the bookshelf. Sure, The books yes, are like yes. falling out. I really love that yeah. shot. That's uh, a great that, shot. That panel. Uh, so there, there's some really good stuff in here for sure. For sure. And I just want to jump back to the page, original page three. I love the little detail about the fact that the ape uh, knocks over this, uh, this shelf full of books to try and kind of uh, subdue this guy. But as he's doing it, it, there's a little caption that says, unfortunately, in pulling down the massive bookcase, the gorilla has ripped apart some electrical wiring. So it's cool because because of the actions of the ape, mm -hmm. he accidentally starts this fire and then he runs away. And, you know, it's just, it's a little, it's a nice little detail. Right. So then Spider-Man has to come in and try to put out this fire. But it's cool because he grabs a fire extinguisher, which ends up turning into the baboon. So right. that's his power is that he can change shape, which is pretty cool. Right. So, so he can turn invisible... And also, like, uh, like he can also like change his density so things can phase through him, right? And the monkeys you in know the what? Apes are the ones that can transform, right? And like, yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm I should have done this beforehand, but let me just look. I'll just quickly skim yeah. this from Wikipedia um, for all of our listeners out there. Mm -hmm. Because I know that most people don't have access to Wikipedia, but I do. <laughs> um, so it says, Red Ghost can achieve different degrees of intangibility and can even become like a diffuse mist. He can either float while intangible or walk on air. Um, uh, blah, blah, blah. Where are we? He had, the Red Ghost can become transparent or visible, blah, blah, blah. Um, now, where is the stuff about his apes? Oh, wait a minute here. It doesn't say anything about the apes. Red Ghost. And his super apes. Okay, but what can the super apes do? Hmm. Uh, yeah, you know what? It doesn't say what the apes can do. Um, just a minute here. Yeah. Well, anyway, you know what? I'll skim through this as we're going. Yeah, but, um, but I, I actually uh, kind of like that. It was, it was kind of an interesting. I don't think. Mm -hmm. I don't think they, they they explain it very well. What the apes' powers are. They just kind of okay. show you, which is fine. But I don't yeah. think that they like focus on it enough. There's there's the one. 
uh, bit where Peter Parker grabs the fire extinguisher and then it turns into the baboon. Right, right. But I don't know. I guess there was no, not really like a... An opportunity to show the other ones. Right. So it turns out um, Miklo uh, is superhumanly strong and durable. Igor can shapeshift. And Piotr can control gravity or magnetism. Oh, <laughs> Makes okay. it pretty freaking powerful. Wow. But um, I also like how uh, later on when Red Ghost is yelling at them, he points out that he's like, only you, Piotr, performed with decorum, and you shall be rewarded. I just think it's cool how right. he single, singles him out. But anyway. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. So then pretty much, you know, we get back to Peter Parker doing his thing at the uh, Daily Bugle, right, with the pictures and everything. So he's got to go back out, and he's, he still doesn't quite understand what's going on or why this red ghost was doing what he was doing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I love this. I also love this scene when... Um, Peter Parker's back at Empire State University, and then he's kind of walking along, and the the gibbon, which I guess is E... Which, which one is this here? Oh, whatever one it is. It doesn't matter. But he's on top of the... Um, on top of the building, and I love how Peter's walking by, and he sees uh, Roger. Um, and then he's like, oh, my spider sense went off. I wonder why. And then we cut back up to a shot of the, of the gibbon crawling away i just think that's a really cool storytelling you know technique the gibbon is that the gibbon is it the gibbon yeah baboon baboon thought, okay okay sorry sorry what? i thought that because uh the gibbon was one of the characters that we talked about yeah the, yeah last. i mixed up oh, characters okay, okay. yeah the gibbon is the gibbon this yeah. is a baboon okay yeah. <laughs> so anyway yeah so I, then I, he, I really like that too i oh so, so cool. what do you what do you think about this like side story with peter parker um convincing roger to go to this party um you know it's interesting because it's actually pretty similar to the one from peter parker 58 and i always and there was actually a couple lines that i expected to read in peter parker 58 that were in here like when he's walking along and befriending because it's a different guy right i don't Mm -hmm. think it's the same guy as peter parker but yeah he's kind of befriending here i don't know i don't mind it Mm -hmm. i mean i like the fact that it calls back to the fact that Peter Parker was, you know, like a bookworm and when he was in high school. And so this guy reminds him of the way he was. And so that's why he befriends him. I thought it was pretty cool, actually. What did you think of it? Yeah, I, I didn't mind it. Uh, I also kind of like that uh, Denny O'Neill didn't write Peter Parker as a jerk this uh, issue. Right. Uh, we right. don't we don't get any of him. We don't really get We don't get any uh, of Deb this issue, which no, I think, I don't is, think, we do. I think no. is completely fine with me in, in Amazing. Mm. I don't. Sure. Want, I don't want to see Deb because I know Denny's just going to treat her like trash. <laughs> right. True. 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 Uh, so yeah, it was kind of nice to see Peter Parker be nice for once uh, in an mm-hmm. amazing comic. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it, it was. It was definitely. Uh, uh, he. I think maybe uh, overreacted a little bit, Peter. Yes, I didn't like that 12, one panel. Right. He, like it, there's there's a couple. Yeah, the the two panels next to each other. He like flips a table, and he yeah. looks like he's screaming at the top of his lungs. And then the next mm-hmm. panel is like a close up of him just yeah. like like screaming. It the... looks like something, yeah, more like Sal Buscema would draw or Sal right. Buscema, a little a little bit more melodramatic. And then it's uh, to be honest, I didn't like the way it ended where he runs out and he's like, so basically for the for the people listening, uh, the people at this party. So Peter Parker invites this guy to a party. They 
they they do a practical joke and they feed him vinegar and then the guy runs out right. all embarrassed. So then Peter Parker flips a table and he yells at them and then he runs out. And but then as his he's running, line. yeah, uh, he's like, "You <laughs> selfish, inconsiderate morons!" Each in a different bubble, right? So then he lectures them. Do you want to read the lecture uh, balloon? Yeah. Uh, you think it's so blasted funny to step all over a guy whose only crime has been a fear of people? You think it's a million laughs to make another human being feel like dirt? To hurt him? To ruin the little bit of trust that he's got left? Well, I think it stinks. And yeah. you, can, you can all go flush yourself down the nearest toilet for all I care. But then this is what kills it for me is that one of the characters looks over and says, you know, guys, he's right. And I, I, don't I know. think it's the girl who put the thing in his drink or that, Probably, that was yeah. like distracting. Yeah, the curly haired girl. Yeah, you're right. So Have you ever just, seen the movie oh. uh, Can't Buy Me Love? No, I haven't. That scene, this exact scene is in that movie. Oh, so really? I'm not sure which one came first. I think this, but that's obviously where they got it from. So anyway. Huh. <laughs> but yeah, kind of just a simple, a simple, you know, simple problem with a simple solution. So now everyone's learned the lesson. They're never going to do it again, right? right? Great. So then we go back to this plot and, um, you know, um, so Peter's kind of going along and the Red Ghost. I can't even remember what the Red Ghost is after. Is it? Oh, he's, 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 after. he's after a certain book, right? right? Which is kind of a cool plot device. I actually like that. Mm -hmm. I, again, I think the reason I, re I, I, I like this issue so much compared to the other ones is because it's very grounded because it takes place in the university and because Red Ghost's motivation is just a book, a textbook, and he's got to go to the university that Peter Parker goes to right. to get the book. And it reminds me of something that Joss Whedon would have done in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, right? Yeah, like all that, it does kind action, of feel Buffy. Right. Yeah, all yeah. the action takes place around the school, you know? And it's just a really smart way to do superheroes, I think. It just keeps everything grounded. Yeah. So, so then, yeah, so then basically, so then they have round two of uh, the Red Ghost trying to get this book. Peter fights all these super apes. There's fisticuffs. And, uh, you know, there's, again, it's a very well organized fight scene, mm -hmm. you know, where there's specific steps to what they're doing and they're, you know, outsmarting each other. And then basically, in the end, of course, Spider Man does win. And. Then they end up in, um, what is this, like, oh, this is a baseball game. So they end up in a baseball game in front of everyone, right? Right. And um, that's pretty much it. Then it kind of just wraps up. And I believe he gets away with the book, doesn't he? Yeah, he, I don't know, I don't remember if he gets away with the book or not. Oh, no, he doesn't but have he the book, but he does get away. He definitely away. gets away. He just flies off with his, right. uh, with his apes. I think right. I think one of one of like the the one that could transform turned into a bird. Yes. And then right, and then they flew off. Right, and there's a nice little shot of them flying over the city. That's yeah. really cool. I think that's great. Mm -hmm. And then we wrap up the subplot right with um, Roger. Right. Yeah. We kind of see yeah. him back at the school, and uh, he's got some ladies that are interested in him. In him. Right. Again, a little bit ridiculous, a little bit convenient that, yeah. that they would for, forgive. Now he's Mr. Popular just because he knows Spider-Man. It's a little bit ridiculous. But again, still, I, overall, I'm pretty satisf satisfied with the story. Yeah. I liked it. I, yeah. I, I definitely think it was the best one of the three we, mm -hmm. we read this week. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if this is one that I'm going to revisit anytime soon, but I had sure. but I enjoyed it. 
So let's yeah. put it this way. Again, compared to Peter Parker 58 from a few weeks ago, uh, I'm going to assume you thought Peter Parker was better. Yes. Yeah, and that's yeah. exactly, again, even though I had the two comics since I was a kid, and even though I probably reread them an equal amount of times, I always enjoyed the other one better. And mm-hmm. it's because it was written by Roger Stern, I think. I think that's why. Right. So, so there you go. Amazing Spider-Man 223, the third Spidey comic I ever owned. And uh, we both recommend it. Mild recommendation. Definitely more so for the art. But the writing was mm-hmm. good. Uh, you know, the captions were great. But the plot was just sort of average. But again, like we said, cool because it was grounded so much in the school and, and in the, the right. Spider-Man Peter Parker you know, mythos. It, or didn't, it didn't feel so like world ending or right. like nothing catastrophic was really going to happen. And it was just felt contained. So I definitely liked it for right. that reason. Um, and now that brings this, us to yeah. Speaking the, of <laughs> world ending, right? Uh, Marvel we, team up with yeah, Spider Man and King Call. Yeah, you can take it from here for this one. So we pick up where we left off last issue with uh, Spider Man being bitten by this ancient lizard folk, who, who yeah. whose mortal enemy is this the spider demons. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's why the venom is affecting Spider-Man so much. And Spider-Man only has a couple of hours to live, I guess. Like, it's it's mm-hmm. happening so fast that he doesn't really have much time. Uh, and the only person uh, who would know anything about helping Peter Parker is uh, King Cull. And right. that was, like, many, many years ago. So Doctor Strange had to send him back into time to kind of uh actually he sends his astral form or his uh yeah his um spectral form right right his astral form astral whatever form, you want to call yeah. it yeah uh so so, so pr- pretty much he sends peter parker's soul or his ghost uh back in time to inhabit other people's bodies and kind of jump from person to person to figure out how to save himself uh yeah i gotta say this is like are you a star trek fan um i i definitely i enjoy star trek but i don't think i'd call myself a star trek fan okay well i'm a huge huge fan and i can watch the old show over and over and over and over again but there's a couple episodes especially one and it's called assignment earth and for those that listening that know what i'm talking about it's it's the most unlike the rest of the episodes of all 79 uh, mm-hmm. episodes, okay? It's, a, it's an episode where they go back in time, and it's basically, it's not about the Star Trek cast. It's about a guy named Gary Seven and this girl, and it, it's kind of like it was a backdoor pilot for a spinoff huh. called... The, but it's like, I, you know, watching the episode, it's like, okay, the writing is okay, the acting is okay... There's, there's jokes, but I don't want to see this freaking story in Star Trek. And that's how I felt reading right. this issue. It's like, yes, th- some of the writing is good. Yes, some of the art is good. But this is not what I want from a Spider-Man comic. It's just an excuse to get Call the Conqueror in, right? Right. Uh, again, I think it's the same thing I said last week. I don't mind seeing Spider-Man thrust into stories he feels like he doesn't belong in. like right. or, or not stories, but like settings he doesn't belong in. Right. Uh, if there's a reason for him to be there. Mm-hmm. And I mean, yeah, the, the reason is that he's the one that needs the uh, the cure for the disease. But right. Like it doesn't doesn't make sense to me why he would be the one sent 
to go and find it? Like, why That's wouldn't Doctor point. Strange go do it? That's a great point. You're right. I didn't even think of that. Right? Like, if if he's the one that would be familiar with it, I, I, I wouldn't even be upset. If it's a Marvel team-up, I wouldn't be upset if if it was Doctor Strange and uh, King Cull. Because he still has right. Spider-Man in there, and it kind of ties it in. You, uh, sure. you have Spider-Man at the beginning and the end of the story, and it kind of flows in from Spider-Man's previous Marvel team-up. I mean, sure. they've broken it up before and done Hulk and, uh, you know, Power Man and Iron Fist and sure. uh, these, like, She-Hulk and stuff like that. So why not switch it up and do Doctor Strange and King Cull? Sure. I think it would yeah, fit so point. well. And uh, it wouldn't feel so out of place. Mm-hmm. But. You know, and I got to say, there's also one of my least favorite things in the whole issue on page digital five mm-hmm. is when... Um, Doctor Strange tells Spider-Man, because you are dying, the venom of the serpent men, while not deadly to humans, is fatal to their hereditary enemies, the spider people. You, unfortunately, have much in common with the spider race, including the reaction to that vile snake poison. I just think that's a very convoluted way to get Spider-Man into the story again. Like, I, I think it's ridiculous to say that just because he has these spider powers that he has any connection to these spider people. And I don't know. And the yeah, thing is, me. too, why does it matter? Why, like, why is that information vital? Yeah, nobody else. Yeah. Was, nobody else was bit in the previous bitten in the previous comic, right? So that's a good point. Why yeah. was that like information that we needed? Yeah, you know good what I point. mean. Like, it's it, it, you could have just been like you were bitten and you have this poison and you know this venom, right, so right, right. we need to find a cure. Like, I, I I feel like it was just kind of a convoluted way to say that he was poisoned for no reason like just say he's poisoned you're you know (laughs) you're poisoned from from the bite and that's it yeah that's a good point that's a good point you're right they didn't it's an unnecessary it's like having two reasons to have him in the story and it's instead of being twice as important it's half as important and and i think that this story is really full of stuff like that where it Mm -hmm. feels like things just happen because the writers feel like they need to over explain it and like tell mm-hmm. you exactly what's going on and right. a- again I think it could have been fun to see Spider-Man like out of his element maybe and floating around and having to jump from person to person but it, I didn't have fun with it like no. it, even like Peter Parker doesn't feel like he's acting like he would if he's kind of this fish out of water character in the past right. jumping from person to person like even he isn't written well i don't no. know and, it's, and just... it's funny because I, well i want to point out it's actually the same writer it's jm Demetrius again right. who dialogue this month this week's issue of amazing and it's just i just think it's the plot it's just mm-hmm. so to me uninteresting like i barely remember anything about it you know right I really, I mean, the art's by Herb Trimpey again, who we've had a lot to say about. You know, he's kind of just there. He's pretty, he's good, but he's just kind of, at this point, pretty standard. Nothing spectacular in this issue. Mm-hmm. So I really, I, I can't recommend this just because I, I don't remember anything about it. You know, it's just not a great issue. Right. Um, the only thing that actually got me kind of excited uh, mm-hmm. in this issue was uh at the bottom of the last page where it said that the next issue is going to be with spider-man and quasar you got it (laughs) that's right that'll be fun 
You for sure will. I'm pretty excited about that. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, unfortunately, I was going to say, yeah, we can't recommend this one, but I guarantee we can recommend the next Probably, one. Probably, yeah. <laughs> so that's it for Myrtle Team Up. And that brings us to uh, Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man, number 61. Right. And this one um, has a pretty cool cover by Ed yeah. Hannigan and Joseph Rubenstein. It's um, Spider-Man fighting Moonstone. And then there's another Spider-Man... Uh, symbolic Spider-Man in the background, kind of like a Frank Miller-esque, yeah, like image of him, right? In a in just red ink, it's kind of right. cool. Yeah, yeah. What this you- is this is a pretty fun one. Uh, I I like the uh, the like the energy that's around Moonstone as well, and it kind of uh, really pops against that dark blue and red background. Right. So yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's a pretty good one. <clears throat> Interesting choice of colors for sure. Mm-hmm. Unusual. Um, this issue, it's. I, I, I pointed this out earlier. The dialogue... Okay, so it's plotted by Roger Stern. It's dialogue by Bill Mantlo. The art's by Ed Hannigan and Jim Mooney. The dialogue is pretty rough in spots, and I'll mention that. But I actually yeah. thought the plot was pretty good, but I'll get to that later. I do like this opening premise. I think it's pretty cool how... I, he's, I love this. Yeah, swinging along, and there's a kid who is climbing down a building with like a bed sheet, and basically the kid is about to fall to his death, and Spider-Man catches him with his web... And then finds out that this kid is doing it to imitate Spider-Man. So he gives him this lecture about basically how he's got to, you know, be more careful and how he doesn't have spider powers and blah, blah, blah. But I thought it was really cool. What do you think of it? Yeah, I, I really love this. I love the, mm. like, the that side of Spider-Man where you get to see that he is a hero and that kids right. look up to him. Because a lot of the times you really just see the kind of Daily Bugle side where people right. either hate or love him as a sure. hero. Uh, and this kid really looks up to him as like an idol or in somebody that he inspires to be. So that was right. really cool and really fun. And it felt like... Uh, you know how any of us would feel as a little kid reading the Spider-Man comics, because sure, I'm, sure. I'm sure you did as well as well as I. When you know when you're a kid, you're acting like Spider-Man. You're you, you're thwipping. You're oh, you know, yeah. jumping around. Flipped. I remember uh, <laughs> uh, when I was younger in my uh, in my old room at my old house uh, in my closet. It was like a mm-hmm. really narrow. So I could put my back up against the one wall and my feet up against the other, and I remember wow. cl- I remember climbing up the wall like Spider-Man Whoa, constantly. That is so cool. Yeah, so I would I would con- I would do that all the time and pretend like I was Spider-Man. So this like really kind of resonated with me, uh, and but I really it, loved it, this little moment. And let's right and let's all be clear. We all agree that Spider-Man is one of the coolest freaking superheroes ever for created. sure like yeah those powers i don't know what it is but every i think every kid on earth just loves those powers being able to climb walls there's just something cool about it and, right? and it's really different too like he i guess we haven't really talked about this we've really just talked about the the comics themselves but yeah mm-hmm. it's it's a very unique uh like uh power set too with, oh, very yeah with the combination of like, the spider sense uh, the ability to climb and then his homemade web shooters like that's really really cool like I, I can't mm-hmm. really think of any other character that like they're one of their superpowers is swinging no you know and it's funny because uh, you know I've written my own superhero stories when I was a kid and I've written mm-hmm. my own comics 
it is not easy to create superheroes that are no. unique. And I like the number of superheroes created by Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko and Stan Lee is astounding. But just it's like you said, it's like the right combination because there technically were there there was one character called the Tarantula from DC, and I think he could climb walls, but I'm not sure if he did it in the same way Spider Man does. I doubt. I don't think he. Right. There's no way. But like to think of a human that can climb walls like a spider, plus he's got the best freaking costume in comics. Yeah. And plus on top of that, it's not, you're right, they could have made webs shoot out of his wrist, but the fact that he designed the formula himself and designed the web shooters, it's just that that extra thing that I don't think anyone else would have thought of, you know? It's just a really cool combination. For sure. You know, it's just like how Wolverine, Wolverine's, powers are complicated it's like well he's got a metal skeleton and he's got the, the claws and he's got a healing factor mm-hmm. and you know just the it's just these weird combination of different things like it just all works together yeah you know, for great. sure but anyway uh, so back to the plot so then spider-man is following along this guy who as we mentioned earlier in the episode is this guy that walks through this wall and so he goes into this building which is actually part of the uh once again, part of the university, right? Right. It's the science building. So this character is in the uh, this building. So Spider-Man goes in and unfortunately we get to one of the worst dialogue panels in the whole issue, which is on digital page seven, original page six, <laughs> when Spider-Man turns on his spider signal and then the character says, what the, a circle of red light, two huge white eyes staring at me. Like there is no kid on the, earth that needs that to be spoon fed to them, right? Yeah, the... There doesn't need to be a dialogue box there at all. Like it, it that no, uh, that was that was one of my big problems with this issue was the the dialogue that was unneeded. Like right. it, 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 it's the the panel speaks for itself. You, you right, like okay, and just imagine if the character would have said, "Uh oh," wouldn't that have just sold it? Yeah, you know, like you know that the character knows it's Spider Man, right? Or or or, or like, even, even if they would have said, "What the?" Even I don't a know, gasp something. Yeah, would have yeah. would have uh, would have been fine. Or huh? And then, anything. And then right. the next one, I've been discovered, but I won't be caught. Like that's yeah. that's a fine line, I think. Like that's kind of. Uh, well, that's kind of like a super villainy line, right? Yeah. So. I mean that that line kind of makes the other one moot. Like it's the same exact right. thing. So good point. Uh, yeah, that 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 you know that piece of dialogue really bothered me as well. Yeah, it drove me crazy. And then the next page, it's revealed that this is actually not a man he's been following. It's a woman named Moonstone. And based on this story, I'm not a big fan of this character. Um, from what I see here, right. not a great character in my opinion. Um, she is, I mean, it's kind of cool that she's there because she's after, I, again, I always like when writers incorporate continuity, something Marvel was great at mm-hmm. at this time, where she's specifically after something that Dr. Kurt Connors uh, invented. Dr. Kurt Conner, Connors is, of course, the lizard, right? right? And so I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, um, I, it, I really like <clears throat> when, when they bring Kurt Connors back. I think that yes. uh, him being one of Spider-Man's supervillains, but also Spider-Man and Peter Parker's friends, I think is yes. really good. And like when he's not the lizard, he's this friendly guy and he's still, mm-hmm. uh, you know, friends with them and, and helps them out both Peter and Spider-Man. Um, yeah. Yeah. I really like Kurt Connor. So I, I'm always happy to see him in comics for sure. Yep. 
And, and again, I think it's just cool that as soon as you see him, it, it brings back all these memories. For like, sure. oh yeah, that's Kurt Connors. He's got no arm. He used to be the lizard, but they're still pals. He still works there. I think it's great. Right. I mean, you know what? <laughs> Speaking of great like powers and, and great ideas for characters, I love that idea for the lizard. Like, the fact that yeah. he... he uh, only has one arm and yep. his motive is that he wants to grow back his his arm and like he, mm-hmm. he wants to have both of his limbs back i think that's so smart to kind of connect that with a lizard that can regrow back limbs and then have yeah. it go wrong i think it's it's so clever rather than just it just being like dr octopus having arms so he's a sure. he's octopus now like i think it's makes it a little bit more real even though it's it might be like more fantastical and ridiculous that he turns into this like no i think it's yeah, lizard I, person I, I, it I, still grounds it in reality right because he has real I, motives I, I, exactly just like that's one reason i love the hulk did you ever watch the hulk tv yeah. show yeah one of the things i loved about that was that bruce banner or david banner's motivation was that he wanted to be stronger so he purposely exposed himself to gamma radiation right and but he he gave himself so much by accident that he became the hulk i think that is a much better uh, origin than just right. setting off a bomb and then right becoming because the it, hulk, it was you know? his mother trapped in a car right or under a car it was his girlfriend his girlfriend, his girlfriend. and he couldn't lift wife, it up yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Great motivation. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Okay, so back to the story. So then we actually have a pretty funny page where on um, the original page eight, where this character, uh, Marcy, is a kind of working and she hears some commotion. And then we cut to a, <laughs> a, a panel of Spider-Man just smashing through the window and landing on the ground. I thought that was pretty yeah. funny. Um, and so basically then um, it's Spider-Man and Moonstone fighting and this character Marcy kind of gets caught right. in the fray, right? Actually, before we move on, while we're talking sure. about uh, page eight, original page eight. So Moonstone smashes through this door. Yes. Right? Does she, she only uses her ability to walk through walls once. That's a good it point. Never <laughs> That's a good it never point. comes yeah. up again. Like I thought that you know that would maybe be a thing that would come up yeah. later and be part of the final fight like i think it would have been kind of cool if peter parker wasn't able to get the like that uh backpack machine sure uh, yeah because she keeps going intangible and he's just jumping through it and he can't grab the item right but it right, never right. really comes up again and this kind of just reminded me of that the fact that she <laughs> smashes through the wall instead of just facing through that's, it, but. it that's a great point yeah it, it, that's kind of like the old superman tv show where even though he had x-ray vision he could see through walls he was constantly smashing through them <laughs> just to make a dramatic entrance right. you know but anyway uh yeah so anyway so then marcy is injured and so peter parker now has to attempt um cpr but he also has to protect his secret identity so in the time it takes uh the security guard to arrive he changes it's kind of funny they actually point out that he changes into peter parker in between breaths right <laughs> which, <laughs> which is, is kind of funny yeah it's a little ridiculous but i i actually kind of like this subplot uh um, yeah i mean it's cool yeah because it has a little bit of a payoff later on and mm-hmm. they kind of 
ha- like they revisit that and Peter Parker goes right. back and sees her and they have a conversation and whatnot. So that's pretty cool. And then um, when Deb sees it on the news or no, no, sorry. She walks by as uh, she's the, the girl is taking away, getting taken away from in the ambulance. Right, um, right. So that connection is kind of cool. It kind of, again, throws a little bit of doubt in Deb's uh, mind about whether right. she's making the right choice with Biff or if she should be with Peter. Right. Oh, by the way, I just want to make a note. I can hear there's like that uh, scratching again. Oh, okay. You, yeah, it's like it's like metal something. Is that a key or something? Do you hear it now? No, I just stopped. But like it was going like the whole time you were talking. It was like it sounded like something metal or something. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was oh, okay. like rubbing against the microphone or something. I don't know. Maybe, yeah. You know what? I'll move the microphone a little bit away and I'll hold. Okay. That might yeah, work. Yeah, I mean, some t- sometimes if microphones are loose, like I've had that before where like they rub or something. I don't right. know. I, you know what? It, it might actually be my, because um, I have my earbuds in underneath my uh, uh, other headphones. So I think oh, it's okay. probably my microphone on my earbuds rubbing oh, up against out. my beard. Okay. Oh. Ah, uh, that's probably it. That's probably it. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not sure if it's okay. getting picked up in the recording or not. Ah, uh, it, it, okay. It's probably okay. just the audio like that you're hearing. Um, gotcha. Skype, okay. But okay. I'll, I'll try to hold the microphone away from my face. Sure. Okay. Okay. Well, I think we're good. I'll just do a new clap just so I can sure. know when to cut. Okay, so we'll continue on with the story here, and so, and so basically, oh, I also, we haven't really mentioned the art, so this is again by Ed Hannigan, inked by mm-hmm. Jim Mooney, but the original page 10 has a really cool shot of moon, uh, Moonstone at the top of this uh, staircase, you notice that? Yeah. And the security guard is coming up, and I just love the perspective there. Yeah, right? it's, it's really cool. great. Yeah, he's a good artist. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, the art is... The art is kind of understated. Like, it doesn't really call attention to itself, but it is really good. Mm-hmm. Like, the storytelling's clear. Yeah, I really liked it. Um, and then, basically, we get, um, you know, the, the police come. They investigate. They find it, They find Spider-Man's um, spider signal, so they know that he's involved. Mm-hmm. And they want to blame him, but then Kurt Connors comes in and kind of defends Spidey. And so, right. And, and I also like that they give a reason why, another reason why uh, Spider-Man isn't there to defend himself. And they blame right. Spider-Man at the beginning is because Peter Parker has to change so uh, he can continue saving the, the girl before right. the police or before any witnesses show up and see that it's Spider-Man without his mask on. Right. 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 So, uh, yeah, I thought that I thought it, this was all pretty clever and, and um, well thought out. And the story, right. I think it's really good. I think what really brings out brings down this uh, issue for me is the dialogue. Exactly. Like we said, Bill yeah. Mantlo, unfortunately. Yep. Yeah. I mean, Bill Mantlo, I mean, he does, like we said, he has his fans, but he's just not as good as natural writer as Roger Stern. He just mm-hmm. isn't. So anyway, so then we get, uh, so now, I, I, again, a classic scene that I, I always love is when Spider-Man goes to chat with Kurt Connors. And so, of course, he comes mm-hmm. in upside down through the window and he's, 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 he's like, you know, sticking to the wall while they're chatting. And then they have a little flashback to the lizard and the last encounter. And, and then they talk about this device, device called the Enervator. And that's Enervator, the thing that she's yeah. after. Yeah. That's the thing that she's after, right? Did she, she didn't get it, did she? She did, yeah. She did get she, it, but he has a detector, right? Right, yeah. So she's using it. 
uh, and he's using the detector to kind of mm-hmm. figure out where it is. Right. Uh, which I think is kind of a goofy plot device, but I right. didn't mind a whole lot. Because, like, <laughs> are you going to make, like, a, a tracker for every single yeah. one of your inventions? Good point. I guess, I guess it makes it's... sense if you're a scientist and your stuff is always getting stolen, but... Maybe, yeah. But... Yeah, it's a little bit hokey, but again, yeah. it's not terrible. It's, again, it's a, a, a cool motivation for for how to tie it into Empire State University, but it is a little ridiculous. Right. Like I said, I'm not a big fan of this character, Moonstone, so... Yeah, and, and having... And, and, like, giving Kurt Connors a reason for being there as well. Like, yeah. having him add something to the story and, and helping Peter track uh, Moonstone down, I think is really good. It shows that he's right. smart and he doesn't always have to be like the lizard to be powerful and be involved in the story so i think it's pretty fun right right i agree mm-hmm. so then we get a little bit of flashback with moonstone and so we find out her origin which actually i never i didn't realize there was that previous moonstone i had no idea and that's where yeah, she got I, this like I a, no idea either. From or whatever yeah and then she talks about the hulk and blah, blah blah and then they're all worried because they don't know she, she's not aware of the danger that can happen when she like mm-hmm. uses this device right and so they end up fighting 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 and then um she tries to activate it right and then spidey uh, t- uh takes the device and uh, deposits it into this abandoned building and ends up blowing up there and so thankfully no one gets hurt right right and pretty much uh moonstone did she get away i think she did right yeah she kind of of just disappears yeah she disappears they don't even show how she left yeah they don't really talk about how she left or where she went to like she's just blasting spider-man and then all of a sudden she's not in the comic anymore oh you know what he knocks her out with this uh giant um whatever this is called this this construct this uh ball right right, yeah and then but then she's never seen again Yeah. yeah So then he destroys, so this thing blows up and then that ends that. And then pretty much then he's back at the hospital with Marcy, mm-hmm. who, I, to be honest, I don't really remember her, but I guess she's a recurring character. Yeah, I, I don't remember. Is she one of the ones that was bullying the one girl? Uh, no, I don't think, uh, maybe, maybe, yes. From yeah. previous issues of Peter Parker, probably, yeah, she was one of them. I just yeah. don't remember her. So yeah, they have a little joke. Um you know, so basically, she's like, I wish that it had been you that had been zapped by Moonstone instead of me. Huh? Hey, Peter, that was a joke. A joke from you? Not bad for her first try. Give me a chance. Maybe I'll get better at it. A chance. Lady, you've got it. And then the caption says, and so it begins again. Yeah. So I don't know cute. where this is going. Yeah, it's cool. I don't know where it's going, but maybe she'll be another girlfriend. Again, yeah. I haven't read these issues, so I don't know. Yeah, I think it could be interesting, especially since... Uh, it sets up earlier in this issue that Deb could still be interested in him. So if we kind of have that, like have that thing where maybe uh, the two people that are in love with each other are in relationship with two other people and then they go on double dates and they are constantly like with each other and stuff like that. I think that could be kind of interesting and fun, especially since like this girl seems like she would be a good match for Biff yeah as well and then like you know they're just kind of with the wrong person so i think that could be interesting if they do you know eventually go and explore that i hope that is what they're setting up 
We shall see. Yeah. Right? We shall see. So um, that wraps up this uh, week's episode. Next week, we will be covering Amazing Spider-Man 224 with The Vulture, mm-hmm. Marvel Team-Up uh, 113 with Quasar, and Spectacular Spider-Man 62 featuring Goldbug. So please join us. Before we go, uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that you can find us at the Comic Book Syndicate on Facebook and at Comic Syndicate on Twitter. We'd love to hear what you guys think about the uh, podcast, and uh, we want to hear some feedback about the issues that we're reading about, too, and what you guys think about them. So let's keep that conversation going there. And uh, Yes, and please also email us at mail at syndicate.com if you're only listening on Spotify. If you can't comment there, you can email us. Yeah, yeah. Email us. Uh, look us up on Facebook or Twitter. And let us know. There you go. All right. So until next Monday, this has been Here Comes the Spider Cat. Ah!